0: Now the idea of like everything strives off community and not customer is like that new idea that a lot of people are starting to understand. Like, okay, so here's how I build a community. And if I don't have one, how do I do that? And then you look at celebrities, they don't really care about the community, right? Because they have fans. So they just take another product that they can sell to their fans versus actually creating a product to turn your fans into actual uh, community members, right? That want to be a part of your journey, more so in the long term.
1: A lot of people confuse audience versus community. Audience is like one direction. Community is two directions. And community is like 10 times harder to build than audience. That is like the core so what is like, I think the audience versus community thing. With, which is why, like, oh, why did this not work? Why did this work? It's if you look, I almost always the ones that worked were able to because most people just want the money. They want to get the money out, but reality is like you can't get the money out, especially in Web3, unless you have an active community. You can't have an active community unless you invest in building the community. Time is the only way. That it's as simple as that.
2: No, 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 no.
0: What is going on, T-Rays Nation, and welcome back to another podcast. If it's your first time here, I'm your host, Mo, and on this podcast, we talk about everything from Web3, crypto, NFTs, and business in general. So if you take any value from this video, make sure you go ahead and drop a like, subscribe, and check out our free daily newsletter. We send out everything you need to know about crypto in five minutes or less. So check that out in the comments below, and let's roll right into the podcast. All right cool uh what's going on bro how are you doing <laughs>
1: <laughs> doing doing really great uh excited for the holidays
0: yeah me too so uh, i'm excited to kick it off obviously this episode there's a lot to talk about uh first of all i wanted you i wanted to officially thank you for reaching out obviously after that creator spotlight that we fe- we got featured on from beehive obviously you reached out and you also have a great newsletter in the space so i think it's like uh it's a great story for you to just tell us more about you obviously your newsletter and kind of uh We'll kick it off
1: from there. Definitely. Yeah. So I have a kind of like a bit of a wild background. We can definitely get into it as we go. Um, but the the Web3 story is... So I'm the co-founder of Sunday Drip. And the idea with Sunday Drip is what would it look like to build kind of like a Kith or Mad Happy or Amy Dor? Like what would it be? like What would it look like to build a lifestyle brand native in Web3, like on Web3 Rails? And so, you know, like we got... I've been into crypto for a while, 2017, kind of like the same story arc that you hear from a lot of people, like 2017, the bull, the bust, it was interesting. You were kind of like in it around the periphery. And then there was some like red pill moment, usually around like 20, late 2020, early 2021 with NFTs. So that was kind of like when I really took it seriously and uh, kind of like played around with NFTs was was into board ape like a few weeks after it launched which was lucky and then it was pretty obsessed like the summer of 2021 just trying to figure out like was this real was this a fad whatever and the thing that kind of took me was the way that like incentive loops can change when you have invested communities that are more incentive aligned and just like the that one little concept and could obviously be applied to many industries but um was kind of obsessed with that and then was kind of like a hammer looking for nails, trying to figure out like, what what is the business that I could see myself building that I'm authentically interested in that helps kind of like bridge this gap into this Web3 world. And I've always been obsessed with brands uh, into fashion, into product, like love physical products. And so, you know, when I thought like, what do I want to do for the next decade? What do I want to do for the next two decades? It was like, build Kith, but build it my way on Web3 Rails. And so... It's kind of like, it's it's wild to try to figure out what that looks like because most of the infrastructure isn't even there, let alone examples to model off of. So, you know, that kind of takes us to like, you know, a roundabout way of the newsletter and everything. The way we kind of think about Sunday Drip, at least the focus, there's three main pillars. One is obviously the brand, like building the products itself. Two is the the software stack. So like what, what do token gating experiences and you know, buy a product, get the NFT. It's, it's kind of like what Artifact is doing, but like at another level, like what does that look like? So the second bucket is really building the tooling. And the third is, can we put out content at this interse- intersection of web three and culture? That's really like what I'm obsessed with right now. So as we try to figure out the other two pieces, which are longer term, I'm like, let's go hyper hyper focus on the content. And so I've got a TikTok where I, I make short form videos and put them on TikTok reels and YouTube. We have the podcast on YouTube and then the newsletter Expresso, which I which I write every day. So that's like a little bit of background in a nutshell about me.
2: Yeah, so you mentioned culture, which I think is really interesting because out of all of my the people that I know in my life, I'm the only person in crypto and in the web three community and culture. And something that they constantly bring up to me is like, why is why is the crypto bro culture so like Vicious and aggressive and hard to enter, especially as a newbie, especially as a woman. And I was wondering if you had any commentary on like where you see the culture changing, how it's going to form and be more inclusive and become like positioned to be mass adopted. Cause I don't see this current culture of like shit posting and shill and villain and K money becoming like the way mass adoption happens, even though I yeah. do enjoy that part as well.
1: Yeah, I kind of think like the worst thing to happen to crypto was this huge spike uh in terms of like price action over the yeah. last 2 years because it fostered this like super uh toxic like it's all about money, it's all about appreciation and like that draws in a certain character type, right? And it also right. repels another character type which is like the broader mainstream. So like the way I think about it is I think crypto and Largely, I I just use like Web3 as the catch-all bucket. I feel like Web3, a lot of it needs to become invisible. So like the experiences that people adopt and use and know are just like elevated experiences to what they use today that happen to be powered invisibly by these rails that make that experience possible. And inherently, if that happens, some of the like normal mainstream culture that we see in technology today... Will hopefully permeate through naturally because the evolution of those products will be will be better. So I don't I don't know if there's a way to like change the crypto bro like toxic you know approach that the industry has today. Really, what needs to happen is like builders need to come and kind of like build in parallel outside of that nucleus and hopefully like bring people over more organically. So I I don't know it's it's tough because that's one of the things I I really dislike most about Web three is like the the scamming, the discord, like the, the getting fried on discord and like people constantly pretending to be people they aren't like, like all of that has to go away. And I think for some reason, because the price boomed and boomed and bust, that was what we kind of came to know.
2: Definitely. Yeah.
0: I want to take it back a little bit, obviously on what you touched on earlier in terms of like culture, right. And what you want to build with uh, Sunday drip. Um, my thought process here. Uh, What I was going to say is, yeah, so, like, we've noticed, right, like, for example, for myself, Parisa, like, we weren't really content creators before Web3, right? It's like, we've always had the thought, maybe, at least for me personally, it's like, you know what, I've always wanted to start a podcast. But for some reason, when it came to Web3, I'm like, you know what, it seems like the level, the, the playing field has finally leveled up, right? It's like, now anybody can come in because it's a new space, and you can actually grow very quickly. So, is that kind of like the same take when it came to you guys starting, obviously what you're doing with Sunday Drip and espresso is like, Hey, were you a content creator before you just started or you only started now because you thought there's also a huge opportunity for that niche that you're building in right now?
1: So I, I definitely dabbled before I'm, I'm definitely introverted. So, uh, I never, I'm, I'm not, I'm never going to be the, you know, when you think of like a TikToker or like a social personality. Like I'm never going to fit that mold of like super wild, like filming myself on the street. But I definitely had, (laughs) if, if you can, if you can't read that, but I definitely, uh, experimented. So like I had this podcast called the founder that I started at the beginning of COVID where I just interviewed an entrepreneur of a brand that I liked and just talked to him for 60 minutes about like what they did, how they got started, whatever. And a lot of that was the job I was working. I wasn't getting exposed to that type of content. I wanted that switch to flip. So I was like, let me just make content around it. I wanted to learn how to flex the muscle, but I, I I didn't really, I wasn't intentional, but now I'm I'm much clearer on this idea of like audience building. And the reality is if you want to build a business, there's, you're going to sell a product. You're going to sell product to someone, right? There's two ways you can get that someone. You can either buy them with ads or you can have them with like an organic audience. And that's the truth. And so the reality is like. I knew Sunday drips the long play and like that'll evolve in many ways. We'll have different products, whatever. I know that'll come eventually, but we have to build an audience because right now the unit economics for buying traffic is upside down. Like you with how expensive it is on Facebook and Instagram, you really can't acquire sticky customers at a cost that makes sense. So kind of like zooming way out from like a business perspective, I was just like, I have to build an audience and content's really the best way to do it. And, and then, From there, like I did kind of start really enjoying the process of making these videos. So it's kind of like, which medium do you like? Do you like writing? Do you like voice? Do you like video? Like what, what is kind of your lane and you, and you just like start it and go from there. But I think it's like, it's necessary if you want to build a business.
2: Yeah. I mean, actually perfect segue because my next question for you is kind of like, A lot of people are seeing the opportunity that, you know, web 3s we're still early and there's a chance for you to get in and become highly successful because of that. But when you're not into tech, it's hard to find your own path in Web3 that's not already made out for you like it is for a dev. Um, so I'm wondering, what do you think is the most valuable skill for someone who wants to get into web three, but doesn't want to do tech? Cause for me, I know, you know, I started with content creation, but I really fell in love with copywriting. Like I really like narrating and illustrating information in easy to consume ways. So for me, copywriting really stuck and not so much content creation, though. I do love the podcast. I think it's a totally different demon to like make 32nd reels and be like, yeah, yeah. You're 100% smarter after watching this. Um, so I'm wondering what your answer is to that.
1: I was going to say, I think, I think writing and storytelling are the most powerful skills, uh, besides like technical engineering. And if, you know, if you can't develop, like I'm not a developer, I don't know if you guys are, I'm, I don't have that skill set. And to be honest, like to get it would take too long for me to like get proficient enough to what I would need. So I'm kind of like that ship has sailed. I think writing and storytelling is the most important next one. And anybody can learn that and you can. Really the reason why it's so important is because everything you do is really packaging something into something more consumable. Usually it's like you take an article and summarize it or you're like communicating your value property or brand, whatever. So but I, I think I think it's a good point of like I don't know how old you guys are. I'm I'm in my late twenties. I feel like I I almost like missed the web two wave. Like I was too young. So I, you know, in hindsight twenty twenty, who knows if we were like old enough maybe 5 years later we would have even seen it but like i felt like by the time i could have taken advantage of that i was too late which yeah. may or may not be true but with web3 it's the next wave and so really like there is no too late because it's it's barely even gotten started and so i think the easiest entry point is just start making content and like you said writing storytelling figure out whatever medium that resonates with you don't worry about the numbers and just like just like go from there
2: Totally. I want to run it back for a second because I feel like this episode might come off a little tone deaf if we don't address the elephant in the room, which is that everything is going to zero. And it's so, I mean, let's just do a quick review. Everything that's happening in the markets right now, rug pull Lord SPF has screwed all of us. Genesis is on the brink of bankruptcy. Tech, sta- tech stocks are down major. Shopify, Amazon, Twitter, Meta having major layoffs. And of course, inflation, rising consumer prices, and also an all out war in Ukraine with no sign of stopping. Like the macro is absolutely horrendous right now. And to be like, oh, like, it's the best time to get into Web three. While it is true, it's hard to understand from an outsider perspective. So, given the pretty bleak situation we're in right now, where do you see the silver lining, and where do you see the space evolving to?
1: Yeah, it's tough. I mean, it's 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 definitely dark. Like from a from a yeah, scoreboard perspective, it's definitely dark. Uh, I think those are like individual things, though. So, like let's take the SBF for example. Right. The the promise of crypto was always like, can we build a permissionless decentralized system? Like that, to me, that was always what's interesting because the the ethos before was like centralized, you know, basically you like try to start something and then ultimately become a gatekeeper around a certain area. That was kind of the model. Crypto Web 3 was like, all right, what if we could flip that on its head? There was no gatekeeper, but everybody can play. So what SBF did was obviously fraud, horrible, you know, he's he's a scumbag for that, but that was a centralized breakdown, right? Like yeah. that was a centralized entity that broke down. So I don't, I don't know if that particular example breaks like the fundamental logic of why crypto and web three could be compelling. Obviously it's going to set us back because people are going to be afraid to adopt, but at least like the ethos of why web three was working, I don't think is, is super broken because of what he did from that perspective. So that's one thing, um, on the tech side. Yeah. I think the last, the last 10 years have gotten super bloated. So like, I don't know, no one's a macro economist. Everyone's like, Oh yeah, we should have seen the interest rates. Like nobody knew that like the reason why these companies were getting so bloated and hiring so, so many people so quickly was because the interest rates made money free. But like, I, I think like looking back, that does make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. So I think what's going to happen is most of these companies are going to come in. They're going to cut 30 to 50% of their head count over the next year. And then they're going to like r- figure out how to build like a normal way. Um, so that's that second piece. And then, the political unrest with with Ukraine is pretty crazy that that i it's not that i don't have a take on but i don't know if there's like a logical explanation one way or another for like how it's going to work out we like we just don't know so what i try to do is kind of like not worry too much about the stuff that you can't control and then in terms of like the environment to build in the reality is like if you're starting from zero it's probably going to take you 3 to 5 years to build anything of substance and so there really like never is a good or a bad time to start because in a bull market, if you if you waited to start, you'd still be nothing. Like you'd still be super small, so you wouldn't be able to take advantage of it. And I think that's why people say bear markets are the best time to build because you get those first couple years under your belt where there's no expectations. So I think I think that's why like the environment is is good or interesting to try in. But I will say like it's t- it's going to be tough to accumulate users and and people who are interested around your idea in an in an era where like there's so much negativity around this, this topic. So that goes back to the storytelling. You kind of have to like frame what you're doing in a compelling way still.
2: Right. And I think you brought up a really good point. Full disclosure, I'm a Bitcoin maxi. So like decentralization is what I care about. And I think that's the hardest thing to get people to understand conceptually. Like for me, that was certainly true. I couldn't even understand what decentralization really meant um, until I just interacted with the interfaces of Web3 and started to see the difference between a centralized entity and a decentralized one. And like you said, the failures of this cycle are all from centralized players, right? So I just don't, right now, I don't see a good segue to decentralization. I think, cause I mean, I, of course I'm new to crypto. I'm only, I've only been here for a few months, but Through my studies, I've found that this has happened over and over again. Every bear market, it's like some centralized player, some Ponzi scheme comes crashing down and brings everyone down with them. What's so different about this time?
1: Yeah. Well, I think the the, one of the, and like, I'm not a super deep like finance expert or economist, but I think the, the financial rails or like the methods with which people manipulate financial markets are not optimal for like a decentralized world. So like using Mm -hmm. leverage, being able to, to like get 90% on 90% leverage on like a small loan and like the, the predatory way people are lending out money 10 times over. Like there's just like really, I would say dirty practices that the traditional banking world uses, but because there's backstops in place and like we had 08, so there's like the right regulation in place. It allows them to play within those rules. And I think those same principles and tactics and techniques are these centralized founders are using on these exchanges and that's why like it felt like a house of cards. So I almost think in order to make it work, we're gonna have to burn it all down, which like a lot of it has been broken and burnt down. And over the next six months, I think we're gonna see a lot more like with Genesis and stuff. And then we're gonna have to rebuild it and ideally we have some kind of regulation or at least guardrails of what to look for. But I don't know, I wasn't around during like the Mt. Gox era, but a lot of the people on Twitter say like this is similar to that where there was optimism, you know, obviously it was a magnitudes less, but like there was optimism, people were excited, and then it ripped the rug out. 90% of everything went to zero. People lost all their coins. It it took a long time for people to trust it again, but it did come back eventually. So I think that's kind of what we're, the situation right now.
0: How much of it, and this is just kind of like an open question for all of us, like how much of this you guys think is... More regulated base versus like CFI and obviously like greed base, like the current situation that we're in. Because like a, a lot of the the biggest conversation I'm hearing on Twitter now is like a lot of the spaces like, hey, we can actually blame the government for why FTX or why Sam SBF obviously did what he did, right? Because there was no clear, uh, you know, rails in terms of regulation, what securities, what commodities, how to treat X, Y, and Z. Obviously, the biggest factor with the SBF thing is, okay, he used customer funds for illegal or other activities that you shouldn't have because it's not your money in the first place. But like, what do you guys see in a perfect situation? What are these policies that we want to see? Like, what are they going to determine? Because I feel like the whole point, like we talked about earlier about crypto is like the ethos is like decentralized, trustless, computer-based currency, right? Mm -hmm. And with the regulation coming in, I don't see crypto being crypto anymore. So it's like, are we really fighting for regulation or what is the goal that we're looking for in the crypto space to really move forward?
1: Yeah, I think it depends what you're optimizing for because I think it'll take longer to build like a purely decentralized ecosystem with no centralized on-ramps. Like to get the mainstream to adopt that will take much longer than to have above board centralized players that are regulated like in a certain way. Like the reason, I think the reason people are saying the government's to blame is because They're saying SBF based everything in Bahamas because there was no regulation in the U.S. or it was not a favorable environment. And so that it almost like dared him to sidestep the rules. So that's one piece of it. I think there are also a lot of other like really impressive entrepreneurs and builders who would have come and built something, but they were too afraid because there wasn't guardrails and regulation. They didn't want to accidentally overstep. So like SBF was like, yo you know i don't know if he's a crook or not it was obviously fraud but like i don't know if he was malintented but he was like yo there's rules i can bend let's bend them well, let's a lot say, of other people
0: really not dumb, right we all know like he comes from and his parents are both uh i i believe stanford graduates and law right they both yeah, have yeah. law degrees as well he's yeah. obviously been in a law of families so they definitely understood where that gray area yeah, is. yeah. i think they built upon knowing Here's the actual rules. Here's what's safe. Here's what's not safe. And here's, here's a thin line that we can play off.
1: Yeah. hundred percent. And they, and they, they're, they're like both savages and his parents, yeah. like they're really successful. So they knew, but like most builders who don't have a lot of background, they, they didn't know. So they were like, I'd rather just wait. And mm-hmm. so that's kind of, I think that's the bigger problem is without regulation, just, just saying what you can and can't do, or like what will happen if you go path A versus path B versus, Path C. Without that, people will stay away from building because they're, they people don't want to get caught up. Like uh, what's that guy's name? Nate Chastain, who went to who yeah. basically went to jail because he was front running the open. Like there was no regulation. He had no idea if you could or couldn't do that. Obviously, right. it feels bad, but like he went to jail for that. So yeah. builders are afraid, and I, that's why I think you need the regulation. But um, it's not all a government problem. Like like you said, that was a house of cards designed to manipulate the system for sure. And like the more that comes out, the more crooked it feels.
2: Well, here's the thing. I don't think regulation is going to be the solution to this problem. Like regulators didn't come to save us. They didn't stop FTX. What stopped FTX was like decentralized actors and ledgers and blockchain showing us the shady shit that FTX was doing. It was CZ tweeting on, like on about FTT token and how they're going to dump it because it's valueless. Um no, no part in like the flushing out of bad actors was a result of regulation or government, right? It was a result of DeFi. DeFi came in and saved the day. I, um, I
1: think you're, you're like the guardrails of DeFi for sure will be exactly. what like prevent this from happening in the future. But I do I do think having some guidance, like the only reason I say regulation is because I don't know how else uh, like US-based guidance would be... F- you know, like would incentivize right. or disincentivize a builder. That's the biggest issue I think is people are just afraid to build because they're going to No, get I agree.
2: So that's the thing. Regulation is good for institutional players, right? If you're a builder, you're building an institution, you're part of something bigger, but it's not going to protect retail investors. Like to, the 2008 financial crash happened and we had a very well-regulated economic system in this country when it happened. And most middle-class, most people who had a house had that ripped right under them. Regulations didn't protect them. It's not for retail investors. It's for institutional players to protect them, um, which is a good thing, but it's important to keep that in mind. Um, but I want to pivot a little bit away from this because I think there's a lot of exciting things still happening and we don't have to like go through the whole FTX debacle. Um, so, you know, before before the huge crash, we saw giants like Starbucks, Adidas, Nike, Disney entering the space, and mainly through Polygon, right? Um, and I want to zone in on Instagram integrating NFTs. So before we get into that, could you explain to us your take on what Instagram is doing with the NFT integration?
1: Yeah, I mean, and and broadly too. Before we get into that, I think like that's this is the silver lining, like the most exciting part. And you know, haters will probably say that well, this was in flight like starting before the crash. And so they like wanted to see it through, but I actually, I think a lot of these brands are taking like a long-term view and it's really cool. I mean, even the last couple of weeks is really interesting to see the news, like the dot swoosh thing Nike came out with and Adidas starting to play. It's really fascinating stuff on the Instagram front. I have like, I'm, I'm bullish on it, but I, I have like cautious optimism because after watching like Coinbase tease, the NFT platform over and over and over, and then it comes and they, swung and missed as bad as you could have missed you know i I try to i try to like have cautious optimism with like expecting certain things but in terms of the the instagram specifically we we talked about on our podcast i don't know if you guys watch this clip but it's it's probably going to be more good than bad there i do have like a warning of caution i think for for people where they could get scammed easily but the best thing is it goes back to that audience thing Instagram has billions, meta, Facebook, Instagram have billions of users. And so when you're exposed, if you can roll it out correctly with the right UX, that's not predatory and not overwhelming. In theory, you have like the best distribution hose in the world, putting a technology in front of people. So that's, that inherently is extremely bullish. Now, like the way they're rolling it out in terms of like, creators will have the ability to create NFTs directly in Instagram is very cool. I don't think it's going to be too like crypto jargony like the way they're doing it which is really cool. So there's a lot of good things to like about it. Uh what I don't think is true is like a lot of the motivations for what I'll call like N- NFT wave 1, which a lot of us saw, a lot of the motivations for people to buy those projects mostly like speculating and flipping, very little utility, whatever. I don't think that's going to be that's not that same behavior is not really going to work with like Instagram NFTs. I think a lot of it's going to be like I don't know, Instagram creators that give like private access or like, it's just another vehicle for you to get into their like private clubs the same way OnlyFans would be um, or Patreon. So that's how I think it's going to start. And then the cool thing is it's a whole nother platform. Like it's it's a, it's a whole new medium, pencil, crayon, paintbrush. Like now it's a new medium that you can play with and it's going to be interesting to see what people come up with.
0: Yeah, my theory is this, honestly, about like the the whole Instagram and NFTs and obviously just like companies going Web3. I personally think like mass adoption for blockchain or crypto technology is not really going to happen unless creators and, and builders take over using that technology for better business operations. Right. Mm-hmm. If you take a look at it this way, like for me as a consumer, like let's say I want to subscribe, let's say an OnlyFans girl. I don't really care how I pay. Right. I just want to see the content. But for the actual creator or the business builder, what really matters is like, okay, can I cut costs? Right? How can I make it scalable? How -hmm. can I actually skip the middleman? And I think once more creators start to understand that and there's more money to be made, and there's an easier, direct way to access your community and your audience, that's when the audience is actually going to start participating and actually using the technology.
2: Okay, here's the thing. I totally agree, but I'm going to like throw a wrench in this conversation right now. Like we already have these, like, like you said, OnlyFans, Patreon, like we have these subscription models where like the creator has their own community, the community pays them for access, blah, blah, blah. Why does this need to be on the blockchain? Like I genuinely don't understand that.
0: Yeah. Kyle, yeah that, you can go first and I'll go to, yeah.
1: It, it's, it's a good, it's a good point. And like maybe some of those use cases don't need to be on the blockchain. I think when I try to explain what the, what the possible use could and should be the big thing it comes down to is and and we can like debate those specific use cases cuz right. i need to think through if they map but like the big difference is like access is an asset that's kind of how i distill it which is like today if you buy into something you use it you get some service from it and then you're done like that that's sunk cost money whether you enjoy the service or not in the future nft based it doesn't even have to be nft based but it's like when you own that access and then can sell it later That gives you additional optionality. That lets you get some of your cost out. You can like invest, buy into things early that appreciate in value. For example, like let's try to make a a realist example with OnlyFans on the fly. This might not make sense. We'll see where it goes. But let's say like uh, someone has OnlyFans page they just started and their subscriptions are five bucks a month because like they have no followers. You buy one in the traditional world, you pay five bucks a month, and then like let's say they blow up and they increase their price to fifty dollars. You're kind of like shit out of luck like you have to then start paying the 50 but what yeah. if it was like an nft based model where you pay the five or maybe it's not five but it's 20 for lifetime access you get that nft then right. that person blows up let's say like you you don't want to watch their content anymore but like their going rate for the lifetime pass is like 500 you can then sell that which kind of gives you like utility and finding undiscovered people it also helps them because then if you don't want to watch their content anymore, you're out and someone who does is in and they make royalties on the, on the swapping. So
2: if the like, royalty model sticks,
1: yeah, if the royalty model sticks, which it will. I, I, no, it Yeah, it's going to, ha- it's going to have to, yeah. like, that's one of the key, like value propositions of the whole system. But like, like, that's a, that's a really small, like simple example of how every party wins bigger in that scenario like the new person coming in pays what they would have paid. The creator mm-hmm. makes more because the royalty and gets the right person in. And then you are able to get some of your cost out. To me, like that, that's a more optimal model. Now I, I get the argument against uh, like the assetification of everything or like whatever, whatever this creating, right. making a security out of everything. I get yeah. that where it's like a little, little weird, but I don't know. For me, someone who looks at like the value and things I buy, it makes a lot of sense.
0: And, and again, just to, like another, to just to add a cherry on top of that conversation, is like right now as consumers as well, the way I look at it, it's like we're losing our biggest asset, which is time. And that time is being invested into content that not even that creator owns, right? Mm-hmm. Like the biggest companies in the world all strive off content that they don't even have to make, right? And they're the ones selling the ad space. They're the ones obviously buying our time and our attention on those apps without having to pretty much do any money or any content creation. So I think that's where like the whole web three, obviously the ethos comes into play is like, okay, so now not only can you benefit off your content, but you can benefit more, right? You can have a personal connection, right? You can, again, the, the opportunity is just so much better for not only the creator, but the consumer as well, because now they have some type of way to say, okay, I'm gonna spend six hours a day on Instagram, let's say, or whatever the case may be. If I'm spending one hour a day on Callaway, hopefully if i invest into him now later on in the future after i learn after i grow this part of my state i can actually get something back
1: also like so we we live in an era of remixing right so like every right now what everyone's doing is like remixing content it it seems logical that like the person who comes up with the original ideas should have some attribution when their ideas are are used again and like that that doesn't exist today because a, like, I don't think the rails could support it. And B, I don't think like the economic model or like the thinking that way hasn't permeated through. Like, we're yeah. just, we're just assume like, oh, if, uh you know, Balaji, Balaji Shrinivasan comes up with an original idea and then it gets remixed a thousand times. Like the fact that his original idea was just as much his IP as like a product he built. So yeah. to me, like, that's another use case of, and the problem is when you say NFT based, there's so much like, It's so cloudy because the current word NFT means like board a picture. It doesn't mean like an underlying asset, but like really whatever, whatever the new word for it will be, that's like another really practical use case. There should be like the entire content and ecosystem should be built on like automatic attribution. Yep.
0: Yep.
2: I agree. Those are really good answers. I'm glad I said that. Okay. So my next question for you is since, you know, it seems like your expertise is in like creating a brand, like a lifestyle brand, something that sticks with people. Like the same way Nike is a lifestyle brand. It's not just a sneaker brand. Um, It seems like that's really your niche. And to me, when it comes to like web three and the intersection of like creating a brand, the biggest like duh is like celebrities, artists, like they already have a brand. They can utilize Web3 to cut out a middleman, become more connected with their fans, their fans get value by being connected to them, so on and so on. And yet we've seen most celebrities completely fail trying to do that, like Kodak Black, Kim Kardashian, like all these mm-hmm. people coming in, They or Chris Brown, his NFT mint, like didn't even mint out. And he used to be like one of the top artists in the States. So why are celebrities ethically failing? And is this space not meant for them? Or are they just approaching it wrong?
1: I mean, I think a lot of those were cash grabs for sure. Um, really like to me, what it boils down to, and I'm not a celebrity, so it's tough to put myself in their shoes, but I think like celebrities aren't good at everything. Like they maybe, maybe they're only really good at like one or two things. Yeah. And what they do is the reason why celebrities are celebrities and normal people are normal people is because celebrities have the resources to farm out the stuff they're not good at to like r- experts. Right. So the reason why you see like Kim Kardashian dominating her like business world skims, she just launched the venture fund is cause she's going out and partnering with like the best operators in the world, the best VCs in the world to build that stuff. The problem is like, I don't think the celebrities partnered with the best web three minds in the world. I think they partnered with the, the, like the people that are like their homies that didn't even know they didn't know right. what was going on. And like, I think they got really bad advice. So w- like a lot of these projects that didn't work, like the Ty the Lopez one was a disaster. The Jordan Belford thing, like, like celebrities and, you know, like we'll say like entrepreneurial business figureheads, they didn't work because the people that were advising them were not like the core thousand people that we see on Twitter every day who knows what they're talking about. So I actually think it's not that celebrities can't be successful. It's that they tried to shortcut cash grab And then the advice they got for like the structure was from people that didn't know what they were talking about. It's that. And then the combination of the Web3 projects that really worked were like longitudinally, the community was invested in by the founders. So, like Board Ape, the founders were in there all the time. Same Mm with name name any big Web3 project, the founders are a major part of it. And like their users, number one, two, and three. I think a lot of the celebrities didn't want to spend five hours in discord. Like they were like, uh, I just want the cash and like, we'll hire a moderator. It's one of yeah. the reasons why, like, you know, say what you want about Gary Vee, but it's one of the reasons why his worked and most didn't was because he was in the discord all the time. He like actually cared about the community. So that is also a shift. Most celebrities think you can just throw money at the problem and then disappear and it will work. And actually, I don't think early web three worked that way. Yeah, I
0: think key word there in that sentence community, right? Like, I don't think that word has been emphasized or even like, thought about before Web3 really came apart. Like think about brand building, for example, Callaway, you tell me, have you ever thought about like building a clothing line based off community first, like that word you say? No, definitely not. Right. So it's like now the idea of like everything strives off community and not customer is like that new idea that a lot of people are starting to understand. Like, okay, so here's how I build a community. And if I don't have one, how do I do that? And then you look at celebrities, they don't really care about the community, right? Because they have fans. So they just think another product that they can sell to their fans versus actually creating a product to turn your fans into actual uh, community members, right? That want to be a part of your journey, more so in the long term. And I think that's like the biggest thing too, in terms of the, the mentality switch when it comes to like thinking about mass adoption is like community, not customer.
1: A lot mm-hmm. of people confuse audience versus community. Audience mm-hmm. is like one direction, community is two directions, and community is like 10 times harder to build than audience. Mm-hmm. So mo- every celebrity has an audience, but very few have a community. And mm-hmm. you could tell the ones that do have communities go crazy. Like Taylor Swift for example has a legit community. Like she does two directional things with her fans. She does like the fan meetups. She she goes above and beyond in that sense. Now she's not she can't form individual relationships with like 50 million people, but like that's a community versus pick another celebrity at her level. That's just like posting occasionally and has an audience and you can tell the difference. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of, a lot of these celebrities, I think it's like a pretty simple concept that they, you know, community is like two directional, but I just yeah. don't think they, they want to invest the time, you know, to build that at a, at a grassroots level when they're already massive.
0: Yeah, I agree. There's a really good example actually. And, and, and I think it was premature Tory Lanez, right? I think he was, like, one of the only artists that we've really seen be able to make some type of productive splash in the Web3 space, even though he hasn't done much since. But I think the main reason why he succeeded as well in what he did is, like, I don't know if people pay attention, but he does community-building activities. Like, he streams his live studio sessions on yeah, yeah, yeah. Twitter, takes people's opinions. Okay, let me change the hook. Let me change the thing here, right? Okay, I should do a little bit more of this. And I think the idea of, like, again, allowing his fans to be a part of his curation process really allowed him to sell that album, the NFT and make a big splash with it.
1: Totally. Yeah. It's, it's, that is like the core. So what is like, I think the audience versus community thing, with, which is why, like, oh, why did this not work? Why did this work? It's If you look, I almost always, the ones that worked were able to, because most people just want the money. They want to get the money out. But yeah. the reality is, like, you can't get the money out, especially in Web3, unless you have an active community. You can't have an active community unless you invest and build in building the community. Time is the only way. That, yeah. It's as simple as that. Yeah.
0: And I love the way you put it, because I've never heard it before. It's like, audience is one way, community is both ways. Yeah. That, that's that's going to stick with me from this podcast. Nice. We got to clip it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> clip it.
2: <laughs> um, okay. So since we're talking about community and you have your own web three brand, I'm wondering what kind of community are you trying to garner? Like who, who are you building for?
1: Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. Cause we, we don't have an audience or a community like at, at day one, you don't have an audience or a community. So the yeah. easier one to start with is to try to build an audience. Cause really yeah. you have to find your voice. Like yeah. what do you want to stand for? So we, what we did, we tried to do both at the same time where we did like a small NFT mint to, to f- just to see like who would be interested in this idea and then start to form an a, a early Discord community. And that was when every project had that where it was like the only way to get into the Discord is to own the NFT. So it was like kind of more of an exclusive group. So we tried that model. We built a uh, very small community, I would say like 50 to 100 active members, but like it's still active today. And we were in there every single day. A lot of what we framed it around was like, here's what we're seeing. Because again, to the audience perspective, I was writing a lot of articles around like Here's projects that I think are cool because anytime there's like a a new interesting space with a lot of information that's like jumbled and you can parse through that and give like Mm -hmm. a concise, so what people Mm -hmm. are interested in that. So that's what we started with. And then really it was important that that community evolved into like, we really wanted people in there who were interested in web three, but also interested in culture, interested in brand, interested in fashion. So that there was like an organic intersection of interest so that when we as we grew it and scaled it and built products for it, we could get feedback from those people. Those people potentially could help us work on it, whether they're marketers, coders, designers, whatever. And so we built a little community of fifty to one hundred people. Some of them had like technical skill that overlapped, it and they've helped us along the way. Other ones are just like interested and share links and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, and, and but it, it wasn't like because uh, we're still trying to figure out like what the brand should be. Right? Should we just be another clothing brand? No. Like, is it going to be? if you make clothes and just slap a web three sticker on it, it's not going to work. So like, there's a lot of work that has to go in to figure out like, what is the angle? How do we resonate with people? A lot of the people that we want to buy our clothes aren't savvy with web three. So like, are the rails invisible yet? So it's kind of like, we right. started a lot of things at once and then tried to back down and be like, where should we really double down? Mm-hmm. So right now we're doubling down on the audience side because it's really critical that we understand how our voice cuts through. Like we need to, develop a voice where people can watch the content we're creating and understand where we're coming from. And some of those people will convert into a community. But I think like having the awareness that like you have an audience, which is like this big, and then you have a community that's this big and you need to make sure that like that voice is consistent between both. So I don't know, I don't have a great answer for it. We started like, uh, this time last year spent, four to five months trying to figure out like, what is the brand positioning? What does it look like? How does it look and feel? We've worked with manufacturers to develop like patterns around the first drop of the clothing. We've worked with software developers to try to build. So like we're, we're trying to do everything in parallel right now, which, which makes it tough. Yeah. Um, so I that's, can, that's kind of where we're at.
0: I can totally relate. By the way, speaking of brands, I love Amelior. It's been so long cause I've actually bought, anything from there, you just remind me of that brand. It's like, wow.
1: Oh, nice. Um, yeah. yeah.
0: Memories. And then real quick, I just want to summarize Sunday Drip for everybody who's like doesn't really know. So Sunday Drip, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Callaway, it's where brand building meets Web3, right? In online culture, you guys have four main pillars, collections, media, education, and community. It's a lifestyle brand and score. Shout out Parisa for helping put this together. And you guys can only join Sunday Drip by minting the NFT, right? It's a 2K supply, increases every 12 hours. The floor price is about $800, which is 0.43 ETH right now and did i get that right
1: yeah so we 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 started with it started like 0.07 so it was like super cheap initially and we're just like yeah like we had not not seen any projects do it like this where it just increases every 12 hours like 0.01 so we're like let's just run it and see um but but actually like the way to join our like discord the full access is to have the nft but i don't want it to i don't want people to feel like it's super gated to be honest Mm -hmm. like all we're trying to do is like connect with people that are interested in culture and web three. I don't, I don't want it to feel exclusive. The people who have bought our NFT, I'm going to spend the next decade of my life making sure that like they get perks. So like if, for example, if we do a drop and a hoodie's a hundred dollars, maybe when they log in, it's $60 or if we do a, a monthly thing, they get one for free, right? Like I'm going to make sure that the people who hold the NFT are rewarded 10 times over for their money, but I don't want to, I don't want it to feel right now. Like you have to have the NFT to be, you know, to participate. So Mm -hmm. that was like our initial strategy. Um, but it's definitely shifted as we're just trying to like connect with as many people as possible. But
2: what I think is super interesting is the price model, like the way that it goes up every 12 hours. What was it like $2?
1: Yeah, yeah, so, it goes out like two dollars every twelve hours. Yeah, yeah,
2: that's. I honestly think that's genius because it's kind of like this linear relationship with like as you grow, as your community builds, so does the price in a natural way that correlates with what's happening with the brand. And exactly. I haven't seen yeah. that before, except with um, nouns like the auctions, the twenty four hour auctions that they have. So yeah, and we cool. we
1: had it before nouns. I think so.
2: Really? Yeah, well, yeah. Okay. So, I so that. Yes.
1: yeah, we'll, <laughs> well have to fact check it. I don't. I, I don't think. <laughs> I definitely, we definitely didn't look at nouns when we created it. We like came up with it on our own and we're like, Oh, this is kind of cool exactly for what you said, which is who knows like what, like we're going to obviously build as hard as we can, but like who knows when it's going to work. And Mm -hmm. if you believe in us and like give us a small amount of money and buy the NFT today, then there's like an implicit, you know, at the time like rise of the floor, but I don't even care about that. It's more like that, that asset has a higher value later, Mm -hmm. which is kind of interesting. So yeah, we'll have to go. We'll have to fact I check the announce thing.
2: I, th- I feel like that might become a new model because it's honestly genius and it makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah. The one thing that is we didn't build into the contract, the ability to like uh, pause it. Anytime.
2: No,
0: so, oh, shit. <laughs> so like if
1: we if we wanted to say like, yo, we're going to like chill for a month, not not chill for a month. But like we're going to we're going to take this month to like really think about things and we don't want the clock to go. You know, you could build that in. We we just did not. So it, it's going. It's going to be on there forever. It's,
0: built for, eternity. it's built for eternity. Yeah, it's, it's built for
1: eternity. Exactly. Yeah. 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 But yeah, right. that's that's it's the essence fun. of Sunday drip. We're trying to figure out. We're trying to figure out really what it's going to be. But um, I'm like obsessed with this concept. I don't know if you guys are going to take it here, but I'm obsessed yeah. with this concept of like personal, hyper personalized commerce. So I think the way the world will evolve is. Every single person, when they go into a site, whether it's like a connect wallet or you don't even have to press connect wallet because it can sense your wallet or something, you will see a different experience than like each of us will see different experiences. That means like the colors, the fonts, the product shown, the way you interact will all be hyper customized. And that will be based on what you hold in your wallet, who you are, the information stored on chain. Like, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's how the world's going to evolve. So That's what like, for example, if that's the reality we want to build for, we're trying to build the software layer that will allow Sunday Drip to work like that and any other brand who wants to, you know, take advantage of the web three commerce stack. So it's tough because like you said, we're I'm not a technologist and my co founder is not either. So we're trying to like work with people on a contract basis or eventually hire a CTO who can who can build that future, you know, with us.
0: I actually love the idea. I have it. I've never really thought about it before, but now it makes more sense because it's like you look at e-commerce industry in general, like every two years, we just see more adoption, right? More innovation in the space to complete the same exact thing, which is like, how do I find the right person, the right persona to buy this product where the, and while I can communicate to this person differently than what I would communicate to another. So I think that makes total sense. And we're kind of starting to see a little bit, right? Like we're starting to see like some of these fashion brands starting to come in not So more so for personalized commerce, but just to get into the commerce, because I think also that's going to be the biggest way, right? For, again, go back to mass adoption. Yeah. We've seen people with
1: incredible
0: friends. We've seen, uh, I think, recently like Pudgy with uh, cereals so on. So go ahead, though. I don't want to cut
1: you off. Yeah. No, no, sorry. Sorry to cut you off. I was just going to say, like, if you think about it, like a brick and mortar store, the only reason why it's the same experience for everyone is because you can't move atoms, right? So like most brick and mortar stores have like, uh, kids section, men's, women's, that's like in a way almost like a, a, a MVP of personalized in-person shopping, right? You're not going to go to the kids section if you're a, a female or you're not going to go to the female section if you're a male because you you want to see the products that apply to you. So take that concept and then multiply it by a thousand. Like if if when VR commerce exists and you put the goggles on and you're like walking through a store you're not going to want to walk through the same store flow that someone else is because that. it, it right. is not customized for you. So I think that same thing is going to happen for web, web-based commerce as well. Like a website, If you go to whatever, whatever uh, you go to kit.com. Like I, it knows like I bought this colorway right. hoodie, three yeah, times wow. before. So it should be optimized for me. And I think that's going to exist for sure. That we, I want to be the one to build that to help that's people. That's turning me
0: on. I'm not going to lie. Like just no, the that, idea would be nice. care, with that is like, because again, it's like, again, I'm a marketer at heart. So it's like the, the idea of like being able to market people based off their specific behaviors is like on steroids when you say, okay, not only can I market to people based off their behaviors, but I can also display and present to people based off their preferences. That idea in e-commerce can like revolutionize the way people shop. Yeah, I think Exactly. True. You're onto something big like there.
1: And the reason why most brands haven't invested in building that themselves is because they're an n equals one. Like it wouldn't make sense for Kit to spend three million dollars on software development to build that because that's like a pretty robust capability that they can yeah. use, but it, it's not worth their time. And then like you know, it, it would have to be a third party company that comes in and builds it. But that third party company is going to need brands to adopt along the way. Yeah. That's why we thought it'd be interesting if we built the brand and the software stack at the same time, because mm-hmm. then we we can test on ourselves basically. So yeah. that that's kind of, that's where we're trying to go super early stages though. But I think that will exist at some point. Well, let me
0: ask you a question, right? I don't know if you ever raised before, but this is a question I've been asking myself a lot as well as like, what companies do you think are worth raising money for, right? Like we've seen companies and NFTs that raise a lot of money, obviously. It, so it's like, you know, is Doodles worth raising for after you've raised that much money, right? Is Sunday Drip or the tech side of Sunday Drip something worth raising for? Is that something you've considered before? And what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah. So I, I had a tech company when I first came out of college that we raised like angel money. and right. like it, you know, we, we, we sold the, it it didn't work out, sold the assets, like kind of worked out, kind of didn't. But like, I will say from experience, like the pressure you put on yourself, once you take other people's money does change the way you think about things. And so I've always thought like the things you want to raise for are the things where you'll get beat if you go too slow. So for example, like, what I described around the technology stack, like that would be something you'd want to raise for because if well, if there, if you think there's only going to be one winner because you want to be the first one to build it per se, but an NFT project that's community-based doesn't really make sense to raise for because communities are N equals one. Every community is unique. So like, yeah. real, like maybe you want to throw bigger parties or like, you know, hire more people faster, but like, I don't think those businesses need to raise. Now they did because they were opportunistic. They wanted to lock it in when valuations were high. Like there were some smart people advising those projects like Yuga, for example, raised so much money. But but I I don't, like I think most businesses, most people would be better off not raising, working as like a one, two, three, four person team where you're kind of sweat equity in and then figuring out what it could be. Once you hit the inflection point of like I need to go faster or I'm going to get beat, then you look at raising. But it's it's a weird like I don't know. I've, I've always been like a little bit allergic to the idea of selling, like trading part of the ownership, trading part of the equity for money for people who like aren't really helping. And then like, you don't even know for sure if you need it yet or what you'd use it for. It's like, it feels like a, it feels like a, a, a head fake metric almost is like how much money you've yeah. raised. So I don't know. I, I could see it both ways though. I want to work on something for for two decades, right? So like I want to own all of it, or like I want my ownership group, like the people who are actively on it, to own all of it, so that we control our own destiny forever. That that's the most important thing.
0: Yeah, well, let me add, just to add more to that question. Like for example, for something drip, right, with NFT funds, I'm assuming like just in general, right, right now the way NFT projects are being built is completely opposite to what we're used to. Meaning you raise money before the concept and then you use that money to build the concept. Now, do you think that's something that still makes sense moving forward or do you think towards the next bull run, maybe it should be the opposite. Like maybe the NFT projects shouldn't actually sell until you actually have a working product. And what's kind of your strategy about that going into with Sunday drip?
1: Yeah. F- for NF- So the way we thought about with Sunday drip is we were like, let's sell NFTs initially and we'll use the money we get to invest in the first rounds of inventory. And in exchange, we'll provide discounted utility forever. So like you'll get discounts on our products, free products eventually. But also Mm -hmm. like this, I really wanted to do this and I don't think the, I I know the regulation wasn't there. I wanted to find a way where if you bought our NFT, you could get like a small piece of equity in the brand later. That was the whole like, so what? Cause I was like, that'd be so cool. If like, if Kith was starting from zero and like I really fucked with the founder and I liked their idea, and I'd give them a thousand bucks and be like, yo, I know you guys don't have a lot of money right now. Use this thousand. I'm going to be a huge fan. But like, if I could get a little bit of equity down the road or whatever, that would be so awesome. So that, that was the initial positioning of what I wanted. And then I just realized like regulation is not there in terms of like legally allowing people to have equity. So we kind of like, you know, did away with that. We said like, we're going to try to make it right for everybody who owns an NFT. Once it's legal, we don't know when that will be or what that's going to be. But, um, that was like our goal was like try to not try to retire off this NFT drop, like just get enough money to be able to fund the initial production. And if we did really well, we could hire a couple people, whatever. So we sold like uh, a few hundred and made, I don't know, like 50 to a hundred K depending on the price of Ethereum, which was like plenty to be able to go and pressure test the concept. And we didn't give away equity per se. Like, obviously we were trying to make that work, but like it wasn't, gonna work. but we didn't <laughs> give away equity to traditional VC investors. So, I don't know. That, that made a lot of sense to me where you still retain control. People are supporting it almost like in a Kickstarter way, you know, more or less if they, if they like the vision and they expect it to go to zero, if it doesn't work out to me, like that makes sense. I don't, I don't really get the NFT projects raise money before they even, because the thing is like you need what community market fit, right? You need to know that the, the thing you're building actually has like the, the community in yeah. the market wants it. You have to know that. So yeah. raising money, like who would give, who would invest money in something before you know that that's there? That doesn't make any sense to me.
0: Yeah, we've done it all year long.
1: <laughs> yeah, true. But a lot of those raised posts, like which one, which ones yeah. are you talking about? Like even, even like- uh, general,
0: like just the, the general concept of like NFTs, like, because think about it this way, right? Like when you start an NFT project, or when, when NFT projects are being born, right? You're selling the NFT as a way to raise money to build. Oh yeah. I what so you're saying. Money.
1: You're so, saying like, should the NFTs be almost free? It exactly until that thing or something? So it's
0: Like, you know, sh- like coming into the next bull run, right? Should we anticipate to see the same pattern happen again? Or is there a lesson learned saying, Hey, maybe we should actually invest or buy NFTs for companies who actually have winning products. Right. So that was kind of my main question. I think, I think, I think yeah. Yeah, yeah, in a sense,
1: I think, I think a lot more NFT projects should be free. And, like at the beginning and they should yeah. give away the, they should give away the NFTs and then if they are able if the founding team and core community are able to build something of value then those NFTs will inherently have a value which then the user can sell and monetize so instead of like I, I guess like the drawback is then the team has no working capital but do they need working capital really when you're like in the early stages you could have like 3 or 4 people as long as you have someone technical on the team you can pretty much sweat equity it all the way up without needing a ton of money like to put the contract on chain i guess like you need a little bit but like i think i think the like broader problem is most people fell in love with this idea of like i want to build a business someone else's money should fund me while i play around and then if i win they get some upside and i get huge upside and i I, like don't i I don't know where that came from but like i'm young enough to feel that as well like i've had i've had some like some situations where I'm like, okay, I deserve someone to fund my experimentation or whatever, but actually just I, fundamentally that's not how business works. Like if you should have to gut it out hard and like have no one backing you until you have something that works and like right. sleep on the ground or whatever. So I don't know. I, it's it's interesting though. Cause I, I don't think of people selling NFTs as like raising money, but you're right. Like that is what it is really.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like sh- socialism, but on yeah. the internet.
1: Uh, yeah, it's, it's, not for us. It's, it's, it's interesting. Like, are you guys considering raising money for what you guys are building with the media company? I have,
2: yeah. I have a
0: lot of ideas to be honest. I have a lot of ideas. It's just like, I'm not confident enough in a specific direction that I want to take it and say like, okay, we should go this route, you know? So I'm, I'm just giving it more time. I, I, I want to let it marinate because I've been a part of a lot of NFT projects as well, like on multiple layers. So I just want to take my time with this one and be like, okay, what is the strategy that's going to make the most sense for c Daily to have some type of NFT and Web3 technology, you know, integrated within the
1: system. What's, what's Uh, the positioning for, for you guys right now? Like, are you trying to be, I was, I was reading a little bit of like your bio on different profiles. How would you like, what's the, what's the like simplified version? Are you trying to be like the Web3 Media Hub basically?
0: Yeah, like I would say, again, our bios is the best, right? Like we're not the smartest, most in-depth analytical people in Web3. We're just like your friends that so happen to be on Twitter 10 hours a day and we know everything about crypto and we love to talk about it. Like that's it, right? That's why Mm -hmm. we say it's like your Web3 crypto friends that you can always rely on. So that's kind Mm -hmm. of the idea. But at scale, yeah, like at scale, you know, think of us like Barstool or... I don't know if Bar, yeah, Barstool is a good example, right? Where it's like you have so many different faces, so many different friends, right? Yeah. Talking about all types of different crypto topics from DeFi to pop culture to NFTs to whatever the case may be.
1: Yeah. And do you guys have right now, you have like this main pod and then the newsletter? Those are the two places you focus?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And TikTok or TikTok was like my biggest thing, but I'm kind of kicking off back, back again. I, I, I mean, a lot of people already know this who watch the podcast, but I started off with TikTok and I blew up on TikTok in terms of like being able to grow accounts very quickly. Nice. And I only did that though for money at the time, right? Because yeah, yeah. I had already seen the opportunity market and there were so many NFT projects that needed marketing. So I'm like, you know what? This is the best place to generate mm-hmm. cash. So now all that cash that was generated from that TikTok is being used to build this, but now TikTok's no more generating because there's no more NFT projects. So now it's yeah, like yeah. building that that long term vision and, and brand for the company.
1: Nice.
2: Yeah. And it's like, it's hard right now. Like, we're in an attention economy and we're talking about the least popular thing ever. Like, no one wants to hear about crypto <laughs> and NFTs right now. So yeah. it's a little hard um, to build. But yeah, I think I do like the idea of being like the barstool of crypto because. It's like you get valuable information, but it's also entertainment. Like we're not here to like go to school every day and teach people a new lesson. We're here to like, make it not intimidating. And yeah,
1: hundred yeah. percent. And, exactly. and per, like personality. the way Barcel won was like personality based, right? right? That's the key. It's like, if you take any traditional media outlet, what do they not have personality? Like right. they have all the best information, but they're like, exactly. they're by like robots and suits. It's like right. they, people want to invest in the personalities. Do you guys C- have other people C- other than you two? What that you're, Do you guys have other people other than you two that you like work with sometimes?
0: Yeah. We, go, go ahead. ahead. Drew, answer. <laughs> uh, we had uh, Alex on our earlier episodes, but he got a full-time job at, uh, what is it, CEX, right?
2: CME. CME.
0: CME. Uh, so he's no longer part of the podcast, but yeah. we, the goal is to get more creators for sure. So it's just a matter nice. of, Finding the personalities that fit within the culture. Right. Yeah. Awesome. I think we're doing a good job here.
1: Definitely. Yeah. Sorry, I cut you off.
2: Oh, no, you're good. I was going to say, speaking of personality, we like to do this segment at the end of our podcast. It's called This or That. Let's do it. We made it super short for you. So let's just do rapid fire. I'm going to name two things. You tell me which one. Okay. Okay. Nike or Adidas? I'd say Nike. Bored Apes or Punks?
1: Oh, I got to go Bored Ape. ETH
2: or (laughs) Polygon.
1: Eth,
2: friends or Yuga Labs?
1: Uh, I would say Yuga Labs.
2: Okay, Damn. last one. Mo, don't kill me. Drip or drown?
1: Drip <laughs> or drown? <laughs> I would say drip. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> oh this is good. Honestly, I can probably keep going for another hour, but um, I think this is a great episode. Would love to have you back again, bro. Hell yeah! Yeah, yeah
1: would definitely definitely love it. uh Let me know when it. When it comes out, I'll definitely help help promote it. Do you guys have like, do you guys put clips out and stuff, or is it just the full episode? What do, What do you guys do?
0: Yeah, we usually do shorts, shorts, and uh, the full episode. So we'll like tease some shorts before and after the clip is out, and then we'll also post uh, the full clip on YouTube. So, yeah,
1: nice. Hell yeah, yeah! Thank you guys so much for having me on.
0: Yeah, you. yeah, appreciate you for coming on. This was a great episode. Make sure you guys check us out. Check out Calloway as well. We'll leave the link. Bio, espresso, so the newsletter he sends out as well in the description below, and uh, we'll see you guys on the next episode.